give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why do you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and, our, and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the crowd, what am I to do with these people? Cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Our second scripture lesson is also a story of forgetfulness and the importance of memory and faith. These words come from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you so that it may go well with you, so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Come, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds today. Refresh the memory of all that you have done in the lives of your people and all that you have done in our lives as we give you thanks and hear these scriptures read and proclaimed today. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. And I would like to invite our junior high Sunday school class who's going to come up and share a little skit with us. I'm going to cry. Oh, no. Sit here makes all the decisions. Yep, I know. 
know, you're a way better decision maker than me. I need you to make the decisions. Okay, this is great. I trust you completely. I know you'll do a great job. Hey Maddie, guess what? I'm going to Walter for my nails done. You want to come? Well, I actually gave up getting my nails done during Lent, so I could give the money to one of the Give It Up for Lent charities. Oh, come on. They're having a sale for Easter. You can get cute little bunnies painted on. It'll look so cute. Please come with me. No. No? What do you mean, no? What I mean is, I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to get back with you. I'm not sure what I have going on. Okay, cool. Yeah, let me know what you mean. Hey, listen, I was wondering if you could help me with something. Um, I don't know. What is it? Well, you know my granny. Yeah, she's sweet. She's in a nursing home, and I thought it would be great to give her an offer and something special, sort of like a pampering day. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, so I want to get a bunch of friends together and go over there to give all the old ladies manicures and pedicures. I mean, their toenails are so thick and yellow with all this muck, you know. And then I thought we could give them head massages too because their scalps get so dry and flaky. We need people with good, strong hands who can just get in there and really massage it all out. Say yes. So I was wondering if you could come help me out. I thought we can go tomorrow. Uh, no, I think I'm busy. I can't really do that. What? Well, well how about later this week? Nope, I'm busy then too. Next week? Busy. Okay, well then let me know if you change your mind. We could really use your help.
Well, that'll preach, right? <laughs> we have two scripture lessons where memory is central this morning. Both in their own way ask the question, what happens when we forget who we are? Now, if you've ever dealt with a family member with Alzheimer's or some other form of dementia, you know how excruciatingly painful that question can be. How slow the process is when someone forgets who they are. The stories in the Bible this morning talk about when that happens to us spiritually. The Israelites have just been freed from their slavery in Egypt. They're wandering out across the desert, and each and every day God provides the bread from heaven, which they call manna. And then, when they start to get thirsty and their livestock start to get thirsty, they're ready to stone Moses, turn back, and head for Egypt, sure that God has abandoned them out in the wilderness. That's why our theme this morning is, we confess that our memories are short. The other scripture lesson asks the important question, how will we teach our children in this new land? Especially, how will we teach them the lessons from our past? This common memory that we share of God's activity in our community. How do you pass that on to the next generation? Especially, when the next generation has never known the hard times in Egypt, when they've only lived in the new land, flowing with milk and honey. Forgetting can be dangerous, right? Forgetting can be painful, too. I have just a small example of this. This is not as severe as the Israelites forgetting Egypt, but there's a light fixture in my kitchen has a ceiling fan attached to it. As a six-foot-five person, ceiling fans are kind of dangerous, right? And here's the thing, the one in my kitchen hangs pretty low. The good news is, when I shuffle out in my stockinged feet first thing in the morning and head for the coffee maker that's right under that light fixture, I'm just under the edge of that thing. But here's the dangerous part. Once I've put on shoes for the day, and especially if I'm in a hurry for that second cup of coffee on my way out the door and there's a little bounce in my step, well, that puts that ceiling fan squarely into play. More than once, I have hurried across the kitchen and rang that thing like a gong with the top of my head. Memory can be important, right? Not only does it help us from re repeating the mistakes of the past, but having memory can also help us to be hopeful about the future. Pope Francis says it this way, when we encounter forgetful Christians, we can immediately see that they have lost the flavor of Christian life and have ended up being people who obey the commandments without spirituality. Christian memory can give us hope. When we know that God has been with us at some point in our lives, and that means there's a, a seed of hope planted there. Can you remember a time 
that God was with you, that God delivered you from some situation you were stuck in? When was a time in your life that you felt particularly close to God? When you said God's Spirit was so present in that moment, right then and right there. When was the moment that your faith started? When someone shared the good news with you and prayed for you and prayed with you? Having a good memory can make us hopeful for the future. It's my favorite time of year when we are finally leaving winter behind. And I walked behind my house this week to see that the daffodils are ready to declare that it is spring. Now sometimes they get that right. Sometimes they do not. But the daffodils are the most hopeful of flowers, right? Once they feel those first warm rays of spring, they just pop out of the ground and go for it, right? Sometimes they get it wrong, but they seem to have built into them this memory of spring last year. This memory that if they just go for it, that the sun will shine upon them and warm them up and they can grow and declare to all the rest of the flowers that spring has sprung. Well, I wonder, how do we form hopeful, faithful Christians? Moses leaves some instructions to the Israelites about their children. He says, speak to your children. Remember the stories of the faith. Day and night, home and away. Keep them close to you and hang them in your house and write them on your gatepost. Moses knows that those memories will form the people of Israel into a faithful people. I want to show you a video clip in just a minute here. It comes from the movie Inside Out, which is an animated film. The premise of the story is that it takes place inside the mind of a little girl named Riley, 11 years old. And there's a control panel inside of her mind, and there's five different emotions that get to jump up and push buttons on the control panel at different points in the movie. There's joy, there's sadness, there's disgust, there's fear, and there's anger. And they all kind of do their thing, helping little Riley to navigate the world. But I want to show you a clip now that talks about the core memories that are held in a very special place inside Riley's heart and mind. So let's take a look. But the really important ones are over here. Now, I don't want to get too technical, but these are called core memories. Each one came from a super important time in Riley's life. Uh, like when she first scored a goal. Oh, that was so amazing. And each core memory powers a different aspect of Riley's personality. Like Hockey Island. Goofball Island is my personal favorite. Come back here, you little monkey. <laughs> yep, Goofball is the best. Friendship Island is pretty good, too. Oh, I love Honesty Island. And that's the truth. And of course, Family Island is amazing. 
be a puzzle. <laughs> the point is, the islands of personality are what make Riley, Riley. I can tell from that last reaction who's seen the end of the movie. <laughs> but what are your core memories? Who are the people? What are the events that shaped you into the person you are today? What has made you the Christian that you are today? Among those core stories, I bet there are some family stories that you carry with you. I'm guessing in this setting that there's an experience of God that's close to your heart. Might be the places and ways that you were educated. Maybe it was a, a mentor who came alongside you at some point in your life. Those core memories could be the, the best memories, might be some of the worst ones too that have shaped you and formed you. Well, I was thinking about those kind of memories this week, and I remembered uh, a mentor in my own life. She's a United Methodist pastor who's recently retired. Her name is Penny Dollar Farmer. And one day, Penny in down east Carolina went out in her rural home to the mailbox at the end of her driveway. And as you may find sometimes in down east Carolina, there was a copperhead coiled up inside her mailbox. When she reached in for the mail, the snake bit her on the hand. And long story short, that caused a whole cascading bit of health effects for Penny. And she ended up having a stroke. And the consequence of that stroke for Penny was that she was unable to synthesize short-term memories into long-term memories. Whenever she went to sleep, she would forget everything that had happened that day. If you've ever seen the movie Fifty First Dates, she lived that out in real life. Now this condition lasted for Penny for almost 18 months. So every day, her husband, John, oh, found a nice picture of her. She did recover, so let's be happy for her in the end. That's her with her granddaughter. But, but every morning, while this condition persisted, she would wake up, and her husband, John, would say to her, Penny, you were in an accident. And she would say, I was. And he would say, yes, dear. And he would pour her a cup of coffee, and he would slide her journal over to her. And he would say, just take a few minutes and read through this, and then I can answer any questions that you have. And each morning, Penny would read her journal with some details of the accident, with some things she had written down yesterday, with a to-do list of the things that were happening in her churches, because she continued to pastor for all 18 of these months. She wrote down all the details of her life, all the details of her daughter's lives, everything she would need to remember the next day. And that became a discipline at the end of each day. 
Penny and John would sit down together and think about the things that she would need to know the next morning. Can you imagine that? I wonder if you had that condition. What story would you decide to tell yourself? If you had to write down at the end of the day, how would you answer the question? Who am I? Our memory is such a powerful thing, right? It tells us who we have been, and it sort of points us in the direction of who we are becoming. We have those painful memories that we perhaps would choose to leave behind. But we have joyful memories too, those crucial memories that propel us forward. So if tomorrow morning you could only remember things that you wrote down this evening, what would you choose to put in your journal? I was thinking about that, and if I'm honest, I think I'd have a page for grudges, right? If I didn't write them down, I might not remember who I was angry with. I'd have to have a page with a checklist for fears and another one with worries about the future. It would be hard if I couldn't remember those day to day, right? I think I'd have another page too for people that have borrowed tools or borrowed money, right? Wouldn't want to forget that either. But what would you write down? Would you write down the things that you're joyful about? Would you write down the places that God is at work in your life today? What would it mean to have that kind of memory? A memory that has been formed in the image of Christ. Preachers have a dilemma whenever we get on an airplane. Because you know what the first thing you ask of your seatmate when you sit down in an airplane? They say, well, what do you do for a living? And sometimes my colleagues and I are a little hesitant to say, well, I'm a pastor. Because you get one of two reactions for the next couple of hours on that flight. If you say I'm a pastor and you're sitting next to a Christian, they get excited and then they want to tell you all about their church for the next two hours. If they're not so sure about the church, then they just kind of clam up and apologize for any swear words they might have used already. <laughs> but I can remember one conversation with a stranger when I was traveling who said, what does a pastor do all week? And I tried to describe what it looks like, the in and out, day-to-day -day life of a congregation caring for people and doing ministry together. And I described how one of my duties each week is to prepare a sermon. And this fellow traveler said, wait a minute, do you mean that you read a 6,000-year-old book every week? Then you write a book report about it? And then people gather to hear you read your book report to them? I said, well, kind of, but not exactly, right? There's a quote by Jaroslav Pelikan, uh, a church historian, and he says, Tradition is the living faith of the dead, but traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. This book report 
that I give each week, right? It's reading through the collection of books that make up the Bible. Those 66 books where somebody said, whoa, this encounter with God that we just had together was really amazing. It was overwhelming. It was powerful. We need to write this down. We need to tell our children and our children's children and their grandchildren about this day. Rabbi Heschel said this once, to say I believe is really saying I remember. And we confess that too many times our memory is short. We forget where God has been present and active in our own lives and in the lives of our community together. But here again, Moses' call to the people. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. We confess that our memory is short. Lord, help us remember your great love for us. Amen. I'm going to invite you to sing again now. You can find the hymnal on page 128, and please stand if you will.